Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, an unconventional podcast for the unconventional music lover, brought to you by Music on the Move Studios, a woman-led company working to help musicians move their careers forward through education and live events. I'm your host, Katie Thompson. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's episode, we have artist Bryn Black. She is a longtime alumna of Music on the Move Studios showcases, and I was really, really stoked to sit down and talk with Bryn because it had been a long time since we said hi, and actually, I think the first time I met Bryn, I was actually playing guitar for her. Um, If I'm not mistaken, the first Music on the Move showcase I ever did, I was actually backing up Bryn. I think that was the first one that I did back in July of 2019, I believe it was, and... I really liked her music. I thought that, you know, she had really great stuff and it was just a pleasure to work with her and play for her. And so finally we were able to sit down and and have a really awesome conversation. And I think one of the coolest things about this conversation is that we dig deep from record, right? From the moment that I hit record, we were just going for it because we had a conversation, you know, off air that... You know, Bryn had been through quite a bit, and she's going to tell you all about her journey in the last couple of years, you know, going through COVID and losing her producer, Nolan, and then also losing her dad. I mean, she's really she's really come through a lot, and she's come out on the other side of it for the better. And, you know, as we spoke, I mean, she really she really dove in about her mental health and, and how important it is to make sure that you take care of it and the music industry. And for those of us that have, you know, never really had to had battle really hard mental health issues or even, you know, drug issues or, you know, substance abuse issues of any kind, I think that episodes like this are just a reminder that we're all human. People are struggling with their own things and it's important to remember to have grace, right? It's important to remember that we're all in this together. Uh, as cliche as that might sound, I think that it's it's really important. And the core message of that phrase itself is just to be kind and have grace for people around you and to lend a supporting hand when you have the ability and to just always remember that people are struggling. And it's just, yeah. So if I can if I can further push that message every day, I'm going to because I am not perfect. I make mistakes all the time and... I'm certain that, you know, I've I've needed a lot of grace from the people in my life for for different things and various things. So I I really want to take a second here and I want to play this song that Bren has given me to to showcase. It's called Daddy's Medicine and I think it's gorgeous. So I hope you enjoy it. Sit back, relax, listen to Bryn Black and Daddy's Medicine. When you're five, you don't know There's a stranger in your home It's quiet, but it's dangerous But a child's heart can tell The meaning of a yell And when it goes too far then lines are crossed whole lines get crossed 
So I am here today with Miss Bryn Black, who is a longtime member of Music on the Moves roster for our artist showcases. Bryn, how are you doing? I am good right now. Yeah. It's yeah. been a week. Like I said, when we were talking, uh, yeah, it's been a weird season, but I'm good. And, and we have we have a lot that we're going to dive into today with you. But before we before we get into the real meat of this interview, if you could just give us a little bit of a background. So you're originally from Virginia. Yeah, so I actually was born in Miami. Oh. Um yeah, my dad um, was a hurricane research meteorologist. Wow. Yeah, for Noah. And um, yeah, so, so anyways, they have their like hurricane research center in Miami. So um, I was born there and then we went through Hurricane Andrew and then moved to Virginia um, after that. And my parents split. And so my dad always lived in Miami. But yeah, I grew up in Virginia. So I'm from like seven. Um, till 18 and hiked it to Nashville. That's right. You were 18 years old and you moved to Nashville, like all on your own. Yeah. My mom and my sisters literally like we couldn't, we, there wasn't enough room for like boxes, you know? So we took like all my belongings, like all my clothes, it was probably mainly clothes, you <laughs> know, uh, in like black trash bags and like mom couldn't even see out the back of, uh, of the jeep like the whole drive here and yeah they dropped me off they were here like a day and um that was it wow um, mom said she cried the whole way home and um she she talked to my sisters and was like she's never coming back oh <laughs> Bless. Well, I know there's, you know, there's quite a few of us who who took that plunge, but you're still in Nashville, you're still doing it. You know, good for you. Thanks. It's so crazy. Like, I mean, I'm so glad we're having this talk today. Um, after the CMAs last night, because it's been like three years. Yeah, 2020. So two years, I guess. Um since they've had like, you know, CMAs, I mean, they've had them, but like, there's been no industry or anything around it. Like only the people nominated and like their teams could really go. So last night was the first night that this has happened. And it was so life-changing just to go and like be and see all the people. It felt like this, like high school reunion in a way. <laughs> um, and I, especially just after this last season of life, like, I don't know, it just felt like so affirming and, and it made me see just like all the, so many people I've met like along the way, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't know, it just, it was so cool. Um, I'd be like, I am still here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Cause then you're also seeing all these people that have moved here during this time that you haven't met. And like, just to be like, Whoa, I'm like, this is life. Like this is actually happening. And like all of the BS is worth it. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. So thank well, you. That's, that's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about this season that you've been going through in your life. I know that there's been a lot. Um, <laughs> and most recently you lost your producer. Yeah. Nolan. Um, he 
I met him uh, almost a year after my dad died and um, from addiction. And so, and Nolan was in recovery at the time. And so we talked a lot about that. You know, we, we became best friends because of um, just like, I was like deep into ACA and Al-Anon, like working my own program. Um, so we could talk the lingo, you know, and um, it was just one of those things where like you meet somebody and you're just like, oh, I know you. Like it was like past life stuff. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we worked on 72s and he, when 72s came out, he was in rehab. So he relapsed um, not long after we cut that song. And then um, he was in rehab for a while, um, got out, was in like a low, sober living facility for a bit. Um, and then was doing really well. Um, he, the day we had the tornado here in Nashville, um, he left my house to go to AGT and then COVID shut everything down. Yeah. Um, and he got stuck in LA and like just kind of went stir crazy and then relapsed again after that um and so it's just been this journey with him and I always I always thought he would you know like like actually stay on the wagon for you know a while but um it was just getting fewer fewer and far between um and I think I kind of like, I, I didn't want to like work with anybody else. You know what I mean? So I was kind of in a way like waiting on him subconsciously. It wasn't, you know, cause I, I just, he wouldn't talk to me when he was using because he like respected my journey too much with my dad. Um, and he always just like, I'm not going to do that to you. Like, you don't have to go through the ups and downs, you know, like you did with your dad with me. Um, but like, you know, this year in particular, it would be like months where I wouldn't hear from him. Um, and, and yeah, then he was in rehab for a while this summer and got out and then, um, yeah, I just, I got the call. I'm so sorry. They found him and he passed and, um, it's it feels so surreal <laughs> like literally it makes me like nauseous to think about but it's reality you know right yeah. well and it's it and it's it's hard because you know you wanted to support him on this journey and be there for him but you know i unfortunately when people are in active addiction they they shut us out and they make it so that we can't reach out and we can't be there for him you know and um i i just i'm so sorry because I, I know that this has been you know especially like with your dad and for your fans that know you they know that relationship they know how how strongly you feel about you know people getting into recovery and and working through their addiction i think that you know I think that you're a super strong individual and I think he probably knew that, you know, I'm sure Nolan knew that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Um, yeah. He did. Um, and <laughs> there's one video that I keep watching all the time because he just like cracks me up in it, but like, um, like 
I, we had been at like this festival, the songwriters festival that um, I helped put together and um, I got laryngitis. And so he was like trying to do all these vocal things to help me. And I had this like, one of those like humidifier things, you know, like the mask thing. And I was like, um, I was like, I am your mother. I was like doing something like stupid, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And he's like cracking up and he's like, okay, light Vader. And so we always call it light Vader. <laughs> That's awesome. That's well, awesome. But he but he would say that because he was like, You're one strong bitch. I'm like, yep, thank you. I've earned those stripes. Yes, absolutely. So I know that with, you know, with the loss of Nolan, it's, it's probably made it really hard for you to, to kind of get back into the creative process, but have you been able to write at all? Yeah, it's been, it's so interesting because so, um, in 2013, uh, my fiance died. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, like I said, I've earned the strong strength. Yeah, you have. Um, um, and and so like I my grandmother made me write uh, a song after that <laughs> and I was like I'm not like there's no way I'm going to be able to write like it was like it just felt too much like you know when things are just overwhelming how do you like you know um, sift it out you know <laughs> mm-hmm. when all you see is overwhelm and grief and you just don't have words um and actually his grandmother at his funeral said to me, um, she said, I need you to write this song. And I was like, Mama, no offense, but like, it's going to be a really long time before I can write a song again. Like, I just know that. And she was like, well, when you do, I need you to say love leaves more than death takes away. And I was like, that's profound. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I, I, so I wrote it down. And then like literally 10 minutes later I hear my mom in the other room talking to Eric's mom and and I hear the words my mother and cancer in the same like sentence and I'm like she's talking about my grandmother like what and so I go in the room and she's like you weren't supposed to hear that and I'm like did you just say like grandma has cancer and she was like, yeah, I, I was at the hospital with her when I got the call about Eric. And then, you know, she just got on the plane and then came to Nashville. And she's like, I um, just, I don't like, I, I haven't been able to, I can't tell you this. Like, you know, you've been in shock for 10 years. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I was like, what are we doing here then? Like, why are we here? She's in the hospital and like, what? She's having surgery, like all this stuff. So literally we left his funeral, got in a van that my mom rented, drove to Nashville, got on a plane that like the next day. And then, um, oh no, it was the same day because we drove through the night. My, actually my guitar player at the time and good friend Goose, he drove us through the night. So my mom could like sleep in the the passenger seat. Um, And then, gosh, just so crazy. Um, yeah, so then we got on a plane that next day, um, flew to Norfolk, and my grandmother, I like, I don't even think we went anywhere. We got off the plane there in Norfolk, went straight to the hospital, and I walked in, and um, she's laying there in the hospital bed, and 
the first thing she's like, she's like, hey baby, she's like, how's this grandma? And I'm like, the grandma, that hello. <laughs> um, it's like, it's like, of course she would ask that. I said she thinks I can write a song right now. And she was like, and I told her what you know she had said. And she was like, what are you doing here? Uh, this is literally a conversation. And I'm like, I'm here to see you. She's like, you need to go and write that song. She goes, you need to leave this hospital room right now and go write that song and don't come back until, <laughs> until it's done. <laughs> and so I did. I went down to the beach. Um, and yeah, I don't even know. I, I, I brought my guitar with me, which thank God I did because I mean, I don't even know why I had that foresight to bring my guitar, <laughs> but I did. And um, uh, yeah, I wrote this song. It came out in like 30 minutes and it's called Love Carries On. And, um, but after that, it was like so, so hard. Um, like I, I could write by myself, but then like co-writing was hard. Um, but it was also like therapy, you know, and like the people in the songwriting community were just incredible at like holding space for me and like all that. So now getting back to eruption, <laughs> um, with Nolan, I have actually been like more creative than I have in the past two years, like just like effortlessly. And it just feels like this, like, channel in a way I don't know it's I, I, it's so weird like I the first few weeks no way absolutely not like I was in deep shock yeah. um because this time around um I there was no responsibility with it right like with Eric passing like I was the widow you know so like I had to do all the things and then my grandma died I had to do all the things because I was the only, like it was so shocking for everyone else, but like, I was already in deep grief. So I was like, oh, okay, I just did this. I can continue doing this. Like, because if she died 24 days after he died. So, um, and then when my dad died, same thing. Like, you know, I'm the daughter, I do all the things. So now with Nolan, I had no responsibility. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is a new experience, you know? Um, and like, I, so I was like going through like our voice memos and like, you know how you do that stuff. Um, and I, oh, it's so crazy. I have this voice memo that I found from 2018 and it, um, him sussing out this song idea. And we were like, it was just like beginning of a write, I guess, with it. Um, and it's called When I Leave This Life. Kid you wow. not. Uh-huh. And it's a song he was writing like for his kids. And so I found it and immediately it was like this supernatural experience. Like I was like, just like, oh my gosh. And I sort of like it just like came through this the song the rest of the song and then literally I went and like threw up like I don't know what happened in my body but like it just was like oh my god yeah um and I, I don't know I was talking to a friend who is um she's got like such prophetic gifting um 
And she was like, sometimes like, you know, when you people pass and you feel them around and stuff, like if it's a really strong connection like that, like you will have a bodily response. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, it's crazy. Um, but I feel like he has, his death has like brought me back to myself in a way. If that makes sense. Especially sure. after like, you know, the last couple of years and the world changing so much. And um, yeah, it's just like, he's just been like reminding me like, oh, hey, that's who you are. I remember that. Yeah. Wow. Bryn, that is incredible. That is just, I mean, what a beautiful thing to be able to, to take that song and finish it and help carry his legacy through that for his kids. Yeah. It, I was like, so grateful that I found that. I mean, I just like cried. It was like, thanking God, like what a gift. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, just that like I got to be in his life in that moment, right? Yeah. Like anybody could have been writing that song. And I, no one had this thing that he did all the time where if he had like a chorus or something that he was just like sussing out, like he would just be like, hey, what do you think about this? You know? And so he would like with anybody around him um, would be like, oh, what do you think about this chorus? You know, blah, blah, blah. And so Sometimes he had like several different versions of like half songs written with many people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, and so I asked like everybody, like, have you heard of when I leave this life? Like, is this something like, is this one of the things? And like, nobody had. Um, like, it's so funny, like if with all of his songs, we all have like stories of like when he was writing them because he would like write the same song for like a year. Wow. Um, yeah, he was such a master and I've learned just like more than I could have ever learned in, in school. And I went to school for music and all this stuff. Like I did all this, I, I like knowledge wise, I learned so much, but like just doing life with Nolan and getting to create with Nolan, like I learned more about like being an artist than I could have ever learned. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere else so um yeah he I just I don't know why God chose me to be that person for that gift and I'm really really grateful for it though it was so healing and um I got to I took it to one of our mutual friends Mark Mulch I don't know if you know the Mulch Mulchies that's what mm -hmm. we call him calling Mulchie um <laughs> and uh Mulch was so sweet he um he was like, do you want, or are you going to the funeral alone? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'll be fine. Like, literally, I was like, this isn't my first rodeo. <laughs> right. Um, and he was like, no, you're not going by yourself. And so he made sure to be there and like, save me a seat and all that. Um, and when I walked in, I had a full blown panic attack. Like, <laughs> um, like get me in a dark corner, like I can't breathe, elephant on my chest panic attack. Um, and, and it passed like they do. And uh, so getting up, getting to walk out of that moment and like see Mulch there with an empty chair for me 
in this like sea full of people was just like such an amazing gift. So after the song started coming about that day, I was like, I want to write this with Mulch. Like he's the perfect person. Um, and so I went and we wrote, we finished like, you know, just like tweaking everything. And um, cause I mean, I had just like so much that it just kind of channeled out, you know, the other the day before that. And um, yeah, so we're actually getting together Monday to kind of like um, tweak some melody stuff. Cause you know, after you start playing around with a song for a bit, you're like, you're like, wait, no, this doesn't feel right. But anyways, yeah, it's coming along and it might take a year to write. We don't know. And no one fashion it would. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I want to record it and I want to use some of the audio that like, you know, from our voice memo of him singing it. Yeah. So, I don't know how that all works, but like I can see it in my head a little bit. So That's awesome. Well, and, you know, I really hope that things, you know, continue to progress with this song and that when you're ready to, to release it, that, you know, that you feel good about it, that you feel that it's got, you know, the Nolan seal of approval. And I'm really happy for you that you found somebody that you feel that you can trust with a song. You know, that's that's huge. That's huge. When you have when you have a song that's that close to your soul, it's really hard to allow somebody else to kind of come in and work on it because it feels so personal and it and it is so personal. So I'm I'm very grateful that, you know, you've got a good friend like Mulch that you feel really confident can help you finish that song. That's a beautiful thing. Thanks for acknowledging that. Like I love that you're doing this podcast and talking about all these things because people have no idea. Right. You know? And a lot of the time we don't even know. You know what I mean? Like you know, for us to like acknowledge these things um, is huge. Like there are so many people going around creating music, like without like knowing the, the vastness of it and they're just doing it for ear candy or whatever. And that's fine, but they're just like missing out on like the depth that comes with it, you know? Absolutely. Um, um, thanks for acknowledging that because like I said, people, their brains don't go there a lot of the time. Right. So, well, it, it, it takes a brave soul to be willing to, to really talk about, you know, the deep hurt that can come with the writing process. Because it's, the thing is, is when you're writing from a place that is so personal and just so deep in your soul, being able to put it out there for criticism, for any kind of critique, for, for just people to listen to in general, that can be terrifying as hell because, you know, a lot of the times writers are writing because it is therapeutic. It's, it's how we process, you know? And then, and then, you know, sometimes we have those songs where you're like, yeah, that's an ear candy song. So it's going to go in that that's category fun. and which I is good. Right. Well, and, and the reality of the fact is that the ear candy is what can honestly make you some money. So it's there's a time and a place for it. But then there's, you know, when you're really digging into the artistry side of your writing and, and writing from those vulnerable places, it's scary. It is so scary. It's terrifying. Like when Daddy's Medicine came out, mm -hmm. talk about them like they're like children. Right. <laughs> My mom actually jokes. <laughs> 
she's like, um, she's like, friend, all these things you've been going through are like, you know, labor pains, like, you know, there's going to be this like baby at the end where you don't like, you know, the trauma of like giving birth and all that is um, <laughs> like you forget. And I'm like, I, I just tell her mom, it better be one big fucking baby. <laughs> <laughs> my French, but that's what I tell her every time. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I talk about my songs now like they're big fucking babies. Um, <laughs> my daddy's medicine was one of those, actually. Um, and I, I, my dad was like in and out of rehabs and um, hospitals because um, he had been sober like 15 years and then relapsed. Oh, no. Um. And which again, like the parallels of my story with Nolan and my dad are so interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, and so it was about a year after my fiance died. Um, and he relapsed and he just went zero to 60. Um, and like my brothers were taken away from him. Um, he was just like a binger, you know, so it was, he was either sober or not when he was in active addiction. Um, and so I went down there and um, he was in a coma at one point. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I think it was the coma one time that I went down there um, and I came back and like, there was just so much happening all the time as it happens with people that you love or an active addiction um, that I like couldn't even keep co-writes on the books because like something would happen. And so I was just in this season of solo writing because I was like, okay, I'm just trusting that this is what it is. I have a lot to process and say, and like, I'm not going to try to put a, um, you know, pressure. I love the Glennon Doyle, which she, in big magic, where she talks about like putting pressure on your art and not to do that because then you're like you would never say like oh painting like pay my bills like that's not fair to your painting like you know so um I was like I'm not gonna put pressure on my art to like you know do that right now I was like need to create and like have that outlet right mm -hmm. um and so yeah I was like okay I'm just gonna solo right and so I would give myself like an hour um a day at least, right? So I would be like, I'm putting this in my calendar one hour a day and just see what comes out. Yeah. Like you said, it's scary. Um, and uh, sometimes nothing would come out. Sometimes it would, but like I'd get into my notes app and I'd scroll, you know, and be like, okay, what's going to like hit my inspiration today? And I saw the words daddy's medicine. And I was like, literally, I said, God, uh, I, I I would remember if I wrote that song, <laughs> like, or if I, that title, right? Or like, I would remember if that song, like, idea came. And I'm like, where does it? And I clicked on it, and it was literally a list of his medication, because I had to have that in my phone for like whenever I would get a call from a hospital or whatever, and we're like, they would be like, what kind of medication is he on? So I, I was like, dang it. Now I have to write this song. Like, <laughs> Again, that was another like 30 minute. I have very few of those, like, by the way. There's like very, very few. But the ones that do come out like that are just 
such gifts. Um, yeah. And uh, the whole, the, it was just like the lyric just kind of came out um, similar to, um, you know, the, when I leave this life scenario, but like the lyric came out, I had some melody, um, but I was really stuck on, um, like I had the chorus melody, but I was really stuck on the verse melody. Um, and so I had been playing a lot of shows at the time with a guy named Kyle Stallions and, um, Stallions, sorry. And, um, I just really loved his melody. Like he's a brilliant writer, but like his melody just always stuck with me. And I'm like, Kyle. So I called him and I was like, you want to write? Blah, blah, I have this song I need help with. Um, poor dude had no idea what, like any, what the song was about, like anything I've been going through either. Yeah. <laughs> he came over and it was like raining outside, just like super dramatic and moody. It's great. And um, yeah, he helped me finish the song. And I mean, I knew it was special, but like, I just thought it was for me. And I told him, I was like, like that this just needs to come out I don't know that this is something I could ever feel comfortable playing out sure like I don't I don't know if I could sing through it without crying you know and um I sent it to my my sisters and they were like why do you do this to me With a half-built heart, I turn out okay. Paid the price I paid my dues for something I didn't do. I never got the guilt, but got the shame. I got the shame. like what why and I was like that's how I felt when I was given the song you know right <laughs> why <laughs> um why do I have to feel all these things and like look at and hear about my own trauma <laughs> um, but yeah um so we I but then I started playing it out and I cried through it a lot um a whole lot and now I cry through it for a different reason since my dad's passed that song serves me and uh, and like has a whole nother life to me now you know what I mean like right. it's so cathartic for me to sing now because it's true like daddy's medicine didn't just like split my family apart like daddy's medicine literally took me away from him because it killed him mm. <laughs> you know and so um it's it's so beautiful and magical and all the things like how music can do that you know and like evolve and change with you and um but like yeah so I um my dad was in one of the rehabs he was in Florida um or sorry at the University of Florida go Gators um uh, they have a really really great rehab facility there and he was there for like three months 
um, was doing so well. And then we were doing like family therapy calls and all this stuff. Um, yeah, Shan's Hospital Rehab Facility. If anybody in Florida needs to go, like they're so wonderful. Um, and, and yeah, so the therapist was like, can you guys write a letter to your dad about how his addiction has, um, like affected you? And I just was straight up. I was like, I'm not ready for that yet, but I do have this song that I wrote like earlier this year. And, um, yeah. And I mean, I was terrified to like play it for him because it must be hard to hear, you know? Um, and, uh, so yeah, he, thank God he was like with this therapist when he was like listening to it. And, um, I just sent him the lyric. I didn't even like hear the melody part yet. And he called me and and he was like, I want to hear the whole thing. Oh, okay. Um, and he called me and he was like, I am so proud of you. And I'm like, what <laughs> that was not that was not what I was expecting you know um and he's like I'm so proud of you um he's like you have to put this song out wow. and I'm like yeah what he was so he like sent it to all of NOAA like the National Oceanic Atmospheric Agency <laughs> he sent it in an email to all of them my daughter wrote a song about me like it was the cutest thing, right? Um, he's such a proud dad. And um, so, yeah, he he was like, you have to put the song out. And he said, Bryn, like, if it gave him purpose, the song did. So he was like, if this song helps families, like, have conversations like we're having now, earlier, if it keeps families from breaking up, if it, like, gets one person, like, sober for one day, like, and all of my journey's worth it. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. So um, we did and like that song changed my life, my career. Um, and and I mean, actually that song is part of, I don't think I would have met Nolan had that song not been put out. So yeah. Yeah, he heard, <laughs> I met Nolan on stage. We, we were playing a show in Molly Malone, or not Molly, yeah, Molly Malone's. It was my first LA show I ever played. And he, um, I played that and I like literally never met him before, but like he barrels in while I'm like sound checking. And I just feel this like presence walk in this, in the room. And I'm like, just in the, in the zone, you know, sound checking, whatever. And he's like fallen. He's like, like I said, we're like two we're like the same person, but like opposite, you know, that's why he called me like Vader. It's like light and dark. So, um, <laughs> he's like falling over stuff and tripping and like, and I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> um, <laughs> my sound check. Um, and he's so loud. You know, he's like, sorry, sorry. You know? Um, and then I just feel this presence, like sit down next to me. Um, and literally I'm sound checking. Hi, I'm Nolan. I'm such hi, uh, hi, nice to meet. I am Nolan. Okay, hi. <laughs> like a kid. Um, and I was like, hi, I'm Brent. Nice to meet you. And he's like, I know you. And I was like, I don't know you, but I feel like I know you. And he's like, no, I know you. 
met before and we had never met before we had like 600 mutual friends on like our personal Facebook oh wow um and yeah but I played daddy's medicine that night and um he had tears in his eyes and he like looked at me and he's like why did you do that oh (laughs) my sister's did (laughs) he was and I had no idea like literally I had never googled him I knew nothing about his story like yeah he had like put me booked me on shows in Nashville um because he used to book Hotel Indigo and so he put me on like rounds or whatever so but we never were like in the same place at the same time like you know he booked it but he wasn't there he would play earlier in the night and I'd play later so we were kind of like ships passing in the night until we both happened to be in LA at the time that's crazy Um, yeah it was just like okay this is like meant to be you know um so surreal it's it's really interesting how so many so many pieces of your story come full circle with your music oh that's a good observation thanks yeah I mean you know writing writing daddy's medicine and your dad telling you to put it out there because you know if it if it could help even one person then it was worth it and then Nolan, who was also on a recovery journey at the time that he heard your song, identified that piece of himself with you and was just like, wow, you know, I mean, that that's just, that's a really beautiful connection. And, and now you're getting to almost do this again with Nolan's song. Right? Isn't that like mind blowing? That is, it's mind blowing to me. I'm sitting here going, holy shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, I always tell people, I'm like, there's never a dull moment over here in this life. <laughs> no dull moments. God is like, every day, something, but in like a good way. You know what I mean? Like that. Like, there's just, I was telling my friend yesterday, like, um, I was like, you know, God wants to like redeem every little broken piece of our stories. And like, I see this in my own life play out all the time like that. You know what I mean? Like in, in all the ways. Um, so thank you for acknowledging that. Cause yeah, yeah it's something that I've been processing too. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to, I want to kind of, pull this into like the next part of of our chat here so you know you were talking about how like going to the cmas was kind of like your reintroductory back into the music business because you kind of been on a sabbatical for a while because some other really really i I, i'm i'm trying to be pc about this really but like let's just chalk it up to like some crazy fucking shit has happened and I I really would like you to talk about what it is that you've been going through yeah um god I'm like shaking thinking about it it's been like so like you said mental health it's been like a mental health journey for sure so I had um a fan and I I hate the term fan because like in a way, I feel like that diminishes like people. 
I know there's like there's not a better term but like like I have like genuine connections with people that like have been like they met me at CMA Fest in like 2009 my first time there and like they're still like with me through all of my stuff yeah all my stuff like you know um and so it's like so yeah, yeah, that's a whole tangent. I just the whole fan word is just like hard. But in this case, this person was a fan. Um, and I met him at a show one time in 2013. Um, and then like never heard from him again until I got this Instagram message um in December 2018. So five years later, and I didn't know who it was. And it's like, oh, he had found like a picture or something from that show. And he was like, can you sign it? And I was like, sure. And he was like at Whiskey Jam or something. And now she's like, I'm, at, I'm in Nashville, Whiskey Jam. Like, um, and I had a friend playing. So I was like, actually, I'm going to be there. Like, so I was like, sure, I'll sign it, whatever. Um, and he went and like kissed me on the cheek when I like gave him a hug and I'm like okay weird but bye good to see you whatever you know yeah um and I should have never done gone there alone now I know these things but you know I was living my life you know like I'm not Carrie Underwood you know I don't Mm -hmm. have security you know right um but like now I know like bring a friend you know because that in his mind that he after that moment he internalized that that I was his girlfriend literally yeah this is like some criminal mind stuff y'all <laughs> yeah he internalized that I was his girlfriend and then um I would get messages from people I'm honestly surprised that y'all never got a message because like especially at that time um but yeah he would message people do you know my girlfriend Bryn Black do you know my girlfriend Bryn Black <laughs> And so after, like, I would get messages from people going, do you know this person? Like, you think, you know, and I I thought, okay, it's harmless, right? People are crazy, whatever. Like, I'm grateful that like, you know, he buys merch. Like, I mean, he was like a supporter, you know what I mean? And like, I knew he was like a little different, but whatever. People are different sometimes, you know? Um, It's like, you know, like we don't like I said I'm not Carrie Underwood so you know people that buy merch like heck yeah we really appreciate you because like we create these things and it's fun for us to create and then really we see that you like that like cool not to mention like obviously the financial support is great too but um at least for me like I really enjoy designing that stuff so mm-hmm. um so yeah anyways then like two weeks later he was like I'm back at Whiskey Jam I have this like he he had another picture for me to sign and he was like I have a Christmas gift for you and it was like a frame of like all pictures from like my show that he was at and like pictures of us from like you know after show taking pictures whatever um and then a, a card and a poem about all of my family mm-hmm even about my stepdad and my stepdad is like 
the least public person you'll ever meet. He doesn't have a social media at all. Like, he's just a regular guy. And somehow he knows all about him. And, um, yeah. And thankfully, I did bring a friend that time. Uh, my friend Marcus was with me, thank God. And, um, and Marcus was like, he's watching you, like, walk around the room. And I'm going okay, whatever, you know, and, like, this whole time, people, I, I would feel uncomfortable, and I would ask, like, is this, like, what do I do, you know, and then I started getting these voicemails, which my number's not public either, so how'd that happen, but I'm sure you can find anything these days, you know, right, um, and I would get these voicemails, um, and his voice would be different, literally, yeah, and it, one of them was, you, oh, it literally started like this, you are a gold digger, you are a gold digger, I don't know if you have a boyfriend, but if you are, have a boyfriend, you are a gold digger, and I'm like, like, and, and I, I noticed the number, because I'd gotten other voicemails, where it's like, hey, man, like, this, you know, yeah, so that, that was the voice I was used to, and then the other voice was different, and Anyways, at that time, um, again, I asked people, like, what do I do? Right. Like, I can't get a restraining order unless, like, something's violated, you know? Um, and so I just blocked it. Um, but still, then new, new accounts were created and all that stuff. And, um, and then it was like messaging people all day. And so every single day, multiple times a day, people would reach out and say, like, this person's really obsessed with you. Be careful. And I'm like, I know this, but what do I do? So I went and lived in LA for three months. And um, this was right after Nolan's relapse, by the way. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. And so I went and lived in LA for three months um, because a girl told me, oh, thank God, that this is the good power of social media in this aspect. But like this girl I didn't know messaged me and said that she had a history with him in middle school. He um, busted her knees out with a baseball bat. And what? yeah, the person. Yeah. Uh -huh. And um, yeah. And so she said, I, I'm, you need to be careful. He's, messaging me she said he found me on social media and she lives in like michigan now she hasn't spoken to him since they were since she moved away from north carolina where he lives and um oh my gosh it's so crazy like i don't think i've <laughs> i haven't told this publicly at all um and so she said um he has a map of your house of the interior of your house mm -hmm. She said, he's just, he said, do you know my girlfriend, Brent Black? Like, please, please tell me you're not actually dating him. Because if you are, like, please don't. And I was like, no, we're not dating, you know. Um, and she said that he had, from my Instagram stories, like, taken screenshots, I don't know, but somehow made a map of my house. And he said, because she was, like, you know, asking questions for information, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like thank God for this woman. I literally told her, you are an angel walking on this planet. <laughs> thank yeah. you. 
Um, and, uh, oh my gosh. So, so she said the guy, he said, um, uh, or she said, have you ever been in her house? And he said, no, I, um, how did he put it? Um, no, but I know I have a map of it and I, I basically live there virtually or something like that. Uh-huh. And, and she said, he has your address. He told, he said that he's already been by your house several times. He drives to Nashville just to stop by your house. Um, and so once we had that, I was able to get a restraining order. Right. Um, and he like, not long after, well, so it, it wasn't served to him. Um, the, because of the state lines and all the stuff. Um, so he drove to Kentucky for a coffee shop gig I had. <laughs> yeah. And from Asheville, North Carolina. So like six hours. And, um, at that time I had been telling the venues, like not long after I played y'all show, um, I started, um, you know, giving his picture out to venues. Right. After he showed up in my dressing room, like <laughs> I walked, or I told you earlier, yeah, we, um, I got, it was, I was again, a solo gig, acoustic gig at this festival. And I walked backstage and he's in my dressing room. <laughs> he talked with me back there. Um, so yeah, after that, we were giving out pictures. So this venue called me and they said, Hey, your friend's here. I was like, okay. Um, and so I called the police officer friend that I have here. Um, after my fiance died, I, I moved. And so, um, the local cops were like, saw like this young girl living by herself and like a kind of sketchy neighborhood at the time and um so they like all looked out for me and so I had like the cell number so I called his last name's Rucker so I would say like oh you're Darius Rucker's cousin like um so yeah I called officer Rucker and he got in touch with the local police department at in that town and they were able to serve the restraining order um to him uh there in the parking lot of my show wow and he like the cops told him like you are a stalker you were this is stalking sir like this is not acceptable behavior and he was like well fine I'll just go to Nashville and they said that would still be stalking and um at that time the cops they were the first people to tell me that this was not okay and I'd been living with this person stalking me for over a year Mm -hmm. and um and they, they were like, yeah, so anytime that you post, he internalizes that, like, you're talking to him. And that's, like, where his brain is at. And then they said, like, there can be no communication. Like, please tell people that he's messaging about you not to respond. Um, they, like, even if they, like, turn off the red receipts, because if he sees, like, you sent a message and then it says red um that still is giving him a dopamine reaction response right. in his brain and i'm like wow okay this is what's going to happen um and so then 2020 happened and um yeah I, we caught him on camera coming by my house during lockdown i'm like you know nobody was on the roads 
like you're supposed to be locked down in North Carolina. Right. And you're like, it was like April, 2020, you oh, know? So still pretty early on into the shutdown. Yeah. And like, literally like, why are you, what? But he knew I would be home. Right. And so he, we caught him on camera, like parking in the middle of the street in front of my house, like just staring in the window and he's going like with his head back and forth, like looking for me. It was so creepy and scary. And, um, so yeah, I, I was on for a little bit on social still after that, but it was like less and less because it became less safe. Right. And it wasn't fun anymore. Like I used to have so much fun with it. Yeah. And then it was like that changed. Um, and like, I've been processing it and like really working a lot on it. Um, but like it really messed me up. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm not going to force it, you know, like, um, not to mention like social media in general, wasn't as safe as it used to be anymore because the world's blowing up. Sure. <laughs> you know, like all society is against each other all of a sudden. And, or at least it's like in the forefront. Um, yeah. and it just, everything felt unsafe. So I was like, I'm just going to be Bryn. I have been through so much stuff and circumstantial life things. And I've never not been Bryn the artist. Right. And so like, I became an aunt for the first time and like, yeah. And I became a godmother to like one of my best friends, little babies. Um, and so we were, I was just in this really sweet season of life where like, like it sounds terrible, but Nolan, Nolan being in active addiction was the worst thing that was happening in my life at the time. Like, you know, yeah. my life just got really small in such a beautiful way. And, um, that's how I was like, I'm just going to enjoy it and not put pressure on myself or music or it doesn't have to look a certain way like you know um so yeah but then when Nolan died it was like I was oh oh my gosh now all like my trauma is in the forefront again like I gotta <laughs> step into it um and I was just kind of became public again all of a sudden because of that you know right. um and it's allowed me to process so much but um especially with the stalker situation like I as God would have it before Nolan died my cousin called and said um hey so I'm making a trip to Asheville um from she lives in Colorado so she was like in August um do you like can I fly into Nashville and we'll make it like you know cousin's trip and I'm like yeah let's go you know and so um yeah that so she called me end of June he died the 18th of July and our trip was like the first weekend of August and I had been in like literally shock like I like it's so crazy um like my body went into shock this time um so like I couldn't eat I couldn't like barely drink anything um I felt like my insides were shaking but like my outsides weren't trembling at all it was surreal. I was, I thought I was going to like have a nervous breakdown. And I called my, my dear friend who's a therapist. And I was like, Angela, what's happening to me? Like, please tell me I'm not having a nervous breakdown. Like, 
like is what's happening um and she was like you're in shock because it, it started a week after Nolan died so it wasn't like immediate you know mm-hmm. it was like two days after the funeral and um uh and she was like your body doesn't know the difference in like psychological shock and physical shock so it's having that response like that's why you feel cold you know when you're like teeth are chattering and you're being like you're cold so so she was like you need to be drinking hot tea and just sip it if anybody going through panic attacks or shock stuff like drink hot tea and sip it and she said it helps because it helps your diaphragm like breathe and so you take deeper breaths Hmm. um and it regulates your nervous system and so I've been on this whole like nervous system regulation journey the past like three months (laughs) it's been awesome actually um yeah and so my cousin came into town and she was just like we're gonna process and road trip and she just held the best space for me um and by the end of that trip like all the shock symptoms were gone um and uh I realized that we drove past the exit of where this guy lives Mm. and I was like I'm not having a panic attack oh this is cool (laughs) and then I got mad like which is funny because oh we're on video but you can see I have a thing that says get mad behind me Uh because the song I put out years ago um, but then I just got mad and I was like, screw him. He does not get to do this to me. He does not get to steal my joy. Like this is not okay. And she affirmed that for me. She, her and Nolan, I guess. Yeah. She was like, that's not okay. This wouldn't be okay in any other situation just right. because you make music and you want it to exist in the world. Doesn't mean that like you have to sign up for this. Right. And so I was like, you're right. Okay. And that just changed it for me. And so, um, I, like I said, it's been a process. I started, like, we've just been like brainstorming, like, okay, well, what was fun about being online and, you know, interacting with people in that way. And like, um, and so I've just been like inching back into it and just having fun. Like I'm by no means consistent. I'm not putting any, pressure on myself to have to show up in any way um but last night walking in like being all glammed up and sequined head to toe like I just was like I'm back like this feels good now hell yeah I love country music so much I missed this I missed my life like he doesn't get to take that from me you know Absolutely. Nobody has a right to take that away from you, from anybody. And, and I'm really glad that, you know, what you just said was just because you're in the music industry doesn't mean that people have a right to behave that way ever. Now, you know, it definitely sounds like this guy is mentally ill and really needs help. And I hope that he gets that help. But you do not have to endure that. Nobody has to endure that. And I just, I want to say thank you so very much for just owning your power and being brave to share this story and, and go public with it and actually just, you know, cause you're, I know you're coming, you know, back into the industry and you're getting, you know, getting yourself out there and every step that you take back towards 
being in country music again and getting out on stage and and performing and writing these amazing songs that you write is is just showing other people in the industry that hey you know I don't have to be afraid either because you know there there are plenty of people out there who unfortunately they've had issues with stalkers in the past and and it and it is it's scary it is it is life-changing and it can easily make you want to just retreat and exit out of the industry but Brand, I'm so glad that you that you're coming back you found your power and that you were brave enough to share it with us today so thank you so very much thank you that means like the world to me for real like I'm yeah I never want to take anything like this for granted because it's like I missed it yeah like and when you reached out to do this I was like thank you God like I've just been praying like okay just I'll show up I'm showing up like you know and and I've been playing shows but like I haven't been posting about them because it was terrifying sure you know and like I hate that and I hate that like I haven't been able to share a lot of those experiences with the people that have been walking with me Mm -hmm. this long you know but it just was what it was you know um but I'm excited for this new season I have no idea what's going to happen I'm like all the songs that Nolan and I had been working on for this record, I probably will never see again. And so I'm kind of starting fresh in that way, but I'm excited because, you know, I, I, sometimes the best songs come from that. So. That's right. Well, here's to new beginnings, right? Yeah. Cool. Well, Bryn, um, Thank you so very much for agreeing to come on to the podcast today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you and to, to, you know, just hear your story and talk about how you're coming back to the industry. We're, we're so glad to have you back. Thanks. It feels so good to be back. And I just love all the work you're doing in the world for real. Thank you. Incredible. Thank you. We're Aaron and I are very blessed and we're very privileged and uh, we're, we're, like you, we we have no idea what's going to happen this next season and in this next year, but you know what? We're here for it. We're here for everything that comes our way. So yeah. we hope to hope to see you again on a showcase too. That would be awesome. Oh my gosh, that would be. All my new songs that I've been conjuring up in my sabbatical times. Yes. I cannot wait to put a show together. Like I'm so pumped about that. So yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again for being here, Bryn. I really appreciate you. Um,
Bryn, thank you so much for coming onto the show and just being super authentic with us and very transparent about the things that you've experienced in in your career and in your life. I mean, addiction is hard no matter no matter what kind of situation it is, right? It's and it's really it's really hard to watch the people that we love fall down that hole and and not come back. So I just want to say thank you so very much for taking the time to just be honest and open about what you're going through. And everybody here at Music on the Move is super proud of you. We are so excited to see what this year holds for you. So we just we want to wish you all of the best and and do anything that we can to support you in your journey. So in Speaking of supporting, please go check out Bryn's links. Make sure that you give her a follow and listen to all of her music. She's obviously a phenomenal writer, and I cannot wait for more music from Bryn Black, everybody. So please go check her out. Links are in the show notes. And while you're at it, give us a like and a subscribe. And just remember to have grace for everybody that you encounter. We'll see you next week. <laughs>